Will Malik Monk make Kemba expendable? Can Kyrie become a leader in Boston? Does Andrew Wiggins know he's now the third option? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown podcast slash live show. Our first live show of the season, take two. We got a little bit wonky there that I tried another platform, but we're here. I got Dave with me, Coach Dave, Dave Dufour, that guy Dave, all sorts of stuff. Uh, Dave, are you ready? I am. We have yeah. audio. I'm always ready. You are. You are you born ready? Born ready, absolutely. Born yes. ready like Malik Monk. Yeah. Well, actually, okay. Well, let's. We should give credit to Born Ready because it's uh, Lance Stevenson. Yeah, Lance. My, yeah, you are yeah. my favorite, Lance. But man, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I kind of want to grab the. Uh, well, you know, what? next time you answer a question, we're talking in, the, in this conversation. I'm going to get another browser window open. I want to see what's going on in Periscope and get the questions going. So, but let's talk about Malik Monk because. Uh, out of Kentucky, uh, does he remind you of anybody thus far? Um, you know, I actually uh, wrote something for the website for bballbreakdown.com what? today about about Malik Monk, but it's not live yet that I know of. Uh, I, you know, oh. but uh, I talked a little bit about how he's actually kind of the perfect example of a modern NBA point guard. He's a scorer. He's got a good handle. He's patient in the pick and roll. And uh, he's actually shown some flashes of good playmaking that he didn't show us when he was at Kentucky, which you and I talk about this a lot. Kentucky guys don't you don't get to see much of. Them. Yeah, wait, they wait, wait. I, and that's it. You mean to tell me that there's there are skills that these Kentucky guys are displaying in the NBA that they didn't show they probably had in college. That's what you're telling me. Yeah, it's crazy, right? And that they could have maybe developed those skills even more had they been able to do those a little bit more in college. Uh. Perhaps. You and know. yet they still go to Kentucky anyway? Yep, they still go to Kentucky. Um, I have to imagine that he might, uh, Calipari must not be sleeping well at night, wouldn't you say, around just around now? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I think he's better at it than the rest of them are. And that's all I'm going to say. Because I don't want to get, like, I don't know. I don't want to start dishing out accusations. But uh, let's just put it. Put it this way. He, he's good at what he does. Whatever it is that he does, he's very good at it. I, I, okay. I'm just telling you, now that the FBI is involved in investigating uh, across the country all these different uh, college programs, uh, there's a lot of assistant coaches and probably a lot of head coaches as well that are not sleeping well at night. And uh, I can't imagine it's going to stop where it has stopped so far uh, at the doorstep of Rick Pitino. Uh, nonetheless, Malik Monk, that's what we're talking about. We're here to celebrate his game. Um, you know, it's funny because, yeah, the, the guy to me in college was like, he was just a playmaker, right? He could, he could just flat out make a, make a play when you needed it to. It kind of reminded me of Monte Ellis. Yeah, you know, uh, only he can shoot. Right. Right? So, and he can shoot. <laughs> I love that people have noticed this, but he can shoot pull-up threes with a couple of hands in his face. He just doesn't care. He, he's, you know, it's, uh, his shot-making ability is pretty incredible. And Steve Clifford actually talked about that last night. How he's already got elite shot making ability. Now he needs to become a complete basketball player. I think we're starting to see a little bit of what he's got, and I'm I'm looking forward to watch him develop. I, I think, and and I think I said, did I say this to you? Um, I believe that the way he plays, he's going to force himself onto the court. He may put them in a position, in you know, oh. maybe not, definitely not this Uh-oh. year. Definitely not this year. 
But for sure, by next year, where they're wondering if they got to move Kemba. Yeah, you are. You are right. Is good. And you know what? The thought will cross their mind this year. I don't know if they're going to do anything about it, but I I have to imagine yes, because that's what I'm seeing. uh, Really poised. He's a one and done, right? Yeah, he was one and done. Very poised. I mean, we're seeing some guards come in who are very polished and very poised. And yes, he's running pick and roll. He's bringing the ball. The best thing I saw about him a couple of times I watched uh, a lot of these clips of him, he brings the ball but never has to turn his back on the defender to bring it up. He can handle it so well. You're not taking it from him, and he can just do whatever he wants with it uh, up the court and then run your offense for you right. from the top of the key. Well, and he's also really great at screen denial. So, like, the, the screener... Typically, in a, in a pick and roll, a guy goes around the screen. That's what we're used to seeing. But he's really great at baiting his defender into the screen and then going away from the screen. And then he can finish through traffic, which I just think is, you know, it's, it's next level stuff as far as scoring. Um, but he can hit the mid-range pull-ups. He can, I mean, he can just do so much. And um, I, I'm, like, his his offensive game is so, it's unique, actually, because of the elite ball handling, the you know, he's only 6'3", and he's able to hit shots over people. And this isn't like Steph Curry uh, taking 30-footers. I mean, he's taking them at the line with a hand in his face. So it's, it's pretty it's pretty incredible. Um, someone in the uh, in the Periscope chat, uh, Denzel, uh, asks if Monk and Kemba backcourt can't work. And it's not that they can't. I think you will see them a lot together this year, and Monk may even start at the beginning of the year while Batum is out. But that's a really, really small backcourt. And right, as of right now, I don't know if Monk's going to defend. I mean, he, he's a really great athlete, so he should be able to figure it out. Steve Clifford seems to think he can figure it out. But, you know, Kemba is not an all-NBA defensive player, and I don't know that Monk is today. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know that you can do that and actually compete for a championship to have right. those two small guys. But uh, – I don't know. They're going to be fun. They'll score a lot with that with those two on the court. Well, no, and the answer is yes. They can play together, and they will, <laughs> and we'll see it. Yeah, It'll probably yeah. be fun. We don't see enough of that. We don't see. Although Monk, I don't know how traditional of a point guard he is, even though he's now showing us he's got these skills. But we, I mean, even going back to like uh, freaking Eric Maynard and Russell Westbrook together, or you see CP3 and Nick Coll- uh, not Nick Collison, Darren Collison uh, playing together. We and we've seen that you know from 40, 50 years ago. You know these, these two two point guards going. Uh, together and again for stretches for sure I think it works and if you're not playing against uh, you know uh, Nick Anderson and Penny Hardaway in the backcourt then you can do it uh, you don't need to have that traditional I just catch and shoot and then the other guy just runs the pick and roll um, I think it gives your offense a lot more variance where you can now you don't know who's going to pick and roll you don't know who's going to spot up uh, you know you know who we're seeing that with is basically the Rockets are doing that and they're going to do that all season long yeah I mean, but the, but again Harden is big Hard burly. He's burly. Oh, he's That's burly, the new right. word this year. All he's right, we're burly. switching to burly. So uh, yeah, yeah. He's just uh, he's he's solid, and so um, it's a little bit different. And and also, I mean, if Harden gets caught in a switch, uh, he's he's shown the ability to guard fours in the post. So I don't know that Malik Monk or or Kemba are going to be able to do that. And um, I don't know. But anyway, I'm just really excited about Malik Monk. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he do, what he does this year. As a matter of fact, this whole rookie class it has so many fun guys. I mean, I've been you know Donovan Mitchell. I can't get enough of watching him. The other night, yeah. he was fantastic in that preseason game. Oh, yeah. um, all of the rookies for Boston and, and Jalen Brown, who's a second year player. I mean, I've just been that team is so much fun to watch when all those young guys are out there. Um, 
Lake Kyle Kuzma, which we've talked about quite a bit, and I believe, don't you have a video coming? I, I'm working on that. Yes, I am. Uh, so make sure that you keep your eyes open for a Kuzma video maybe tomorrow uh, to celebrate his game. And, uh, and also, while we're talking about that, you should don't forget to subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, wherever else you find our podcast and on the CLNS Media uh, Network. And also, you can watch us or listen to us on their app, their mobile app, CLNS Media. So, uh, yes, you got uh, Monk. Uh, sorry, uh, Kuzma's coming up. David Caruso. Is it David Caruso? No, David Caruso. It can't be David Caruso. I know. Can it? It's Caruso, um, who I thought, you know, he, he did some really fun stuff in Summer League for the Lakers, and everyone was getting really hyped up about him. I kept just thinking, you know, uh, every play he made, which were good plays, seemed to test the absolute limit of his athletic ability to kind of just barely get it done and to get Summer League talent. So I was like, yeah, yeah it's not going to translate. But you know what? Like, I watched him against that uh, in that game last uh, against with Donovan Mitchell in there. And he was he was making plays. He was really making plays. So I don't know. Is he like their fourth guard off the bench? Uh, I'm sorry. He may be guard. the backup. He might be the backup point guard. Um, it's Alex Caruso. Alex I don't know why Caruso. I couldn't think of it off the top of my head. But, right, because David uh, you know, Caruso was a great officer and a gentleman. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think he might be their backup point guard. He's got good size. My wife uh, commented on, um, she said, why is that 45-year-old guy out there? And I was like, uh... We're not supposed to tell everybody what the number was, are we? Yeah, I mean, not you. Who? Talking about Caruso. Oh, well, because, you know, it was my birthday yesterday. I know. Wait, you turned 45 yesterday? I did, I did. I, was, I liked being I, Jerry West for that whole year, and now I'm, now I'm, I guess I'm Michael Jordan version two. Baseball version. Yeah. No, he was 45 when he came back, remember? For, yeah, For I know. a little bit. I know, yeah. Do you remember the other number that he used? Uh, yeah, like 12. Yeah, 12. Is yeah. that what it was? And by the way, that's yeah. crazy. That, that just popped up on my timeline. The, the, the game he played because someone stole his jersey. Is that what happened? Yeah, someone stole his jersey. Wow. Really funny. Uh, and, you know, that's the kind of stuff like the old NBA used to have, right? Like yeah. crazy stories like that. And, and we don't get those anymore. That's uh, a little okay. sad. Now, here's the thing. I haven't been on, on um, Periscope in a little while. Do you yeah. know what they changed? No. You can now scroll through all these comments. Oh, that's awesome. It doesn't come that? in one massive deluge, which you miss every one of them. This is amazing, guys. Periscope, it only took you six months. Wow, what else is going Anything else that updated since, we, since the last season ended? I wonder. I can't wait to see. This is amazing. We can yeah, finally answer um, questions from everybody. Absolutely. And my, my Malik Monk piece just dropped. Oh, oh, you know, and we timed that. That was the point, right? Thank you, Jesse Blanchard, editor-in-chief. Synergy. Yes. Um, actually, and, and Jesse wrote about Joel Embiid, which, you know, is someone else you and I wanted to talk about today. Best um, center in the league. Yeah, absolutely. He looks like a Hall of Fame player when he's out there. As a matter of fact, I'd go ahead and say it. Like, he has Hall of Fame talent. Um, it's His issue is that he doesn't have the skill of availability. Now, if he could stay healthy... And if he plays 60 games, I think that the, the Sixers can win 41 games. Not out of 60, but I think they can win 41 overall. Okay. Um, if he could play 70 games, I think he could be the MVP this year. Wow. Well, see, that James good. and I had this discussion uh, on Wednesday about this, which is exactly that. If he plays 60 games, they win 35. And, uh, right, like they probably win 35, I don't know, I'm just throwing out a number, 33, 34. Well, it, of the, the remaining 22 games, they only need to win like seven or eight then to make the playoffs. Uh, 
So in my mind, that's that's like doable if they get into that point. So the only thing I want to say is I think one of those years where he didn't play hardly at all kind of felt like that was part of the process of tanking, right? Where they really he could have played and they just sort of didn't. He would have gotten his uh, a big chunk of games in there for whatever reason they were being you know really careful with him. So I do want to throw that out there, and I also want to say like get out of my mentions if you're going to come at me in Twitter just sort of like expecting him to get hurt. I, I, that yeah. just frustrates it's me. Like the they, that, negative, that's the tone, and I really hate it. Uh, yeah, it's it's so. Listen, when we talk about these players, like one of the things we talk about all the time is, you know, w- we say with the expectation of health, right? That when we're projecting things, that's one thing. But the other thing is, we always root for everyone to be healthy because it's better if everyone's healthy. Like we should all. I mean, and and I listened. To, uh, I was listening to I think Zach Lowe's podcast where he said. GMs from competing teams are rooting for Embiid to be healthy just because they're fans of the game. That, yeah. like, in and of itself. Also, he's one of the best personalities in the NBA. He's so much fun. And, and, and his teammates love him. Like, this is a guy, like, I really am, am pulling for him to be healthy, be on the court, and have a Hall of Fame career. And, and you know, if you read the language of his, of his contract, you know, what's come out, it looks like their big concerns are the foot and the back. Foot injuries for big men especially are, are dangerous, but it didn't. There was no language in there about the knee, so I'm sure that the Sixers are pretty confident that his knee is healthy. Um, he hadn't had a foot problem in a while now. It's been over a year. I mean, remember he played last year um, when he when his season ended. It was the knee, and a lot of that was being, you know, Overly extra cautious. cautious. Yeah, and then the back, right? So he hadn't had any back injuries, you know, or problems that we know of that have required surgery. So. There's every expectation to think this guy's going to be healthy. I mean, I'm thinking that this year he probably plays in the 60 to 65 range, barring injury, um, because they're going to use kid gloves with him. But I think if he gets to 70, he'll have a real case for MVP. His per 36 numbers last year were right up there with Wilt Chamberlain as a rookie. And that's just, I mean, it's incredible. It's rarefied air. Yeah, and, and, and to speak to that point, even aside from the actual stats, when you watch him on the court, and I know against the Nets, they had guys who were four or five inches shorter than him and just didn't really have the size to guard him, but he just is so overwhelming. And it's like, and he doesn't even have to try. That's the other thing. Is it's like he just sort of exists. And by the way, I'm not even sure I like what they were doing on offense. It really was like, and maybe they hadn't been practicing a lot with him. And it was very rudimentary. But it was like, there's so much fun they can have with movement to get him low post touches instead of just, like he literally was kind of walk down the lane line and try and like muscle a, a catch and whatever. And it was like, I, that's not the MB that I like. I like the MB when they flash him on a shuffle cut across the lane and now he's using his speed and his size to catch the ball and then do a nice move or something like that. I, I hope they get to that because we've seen a little bit of that in Brett Brown's offense. But uh, either way, I mean, you know, setting a screen, popping for three, then he goes and posts up down low and overwhelms the guy and he has to get fouled or whatever. He can make mid-range shots. He can make passes. Then he's blocking shots. The, the, some of those Sixers were just getting blown by and he would just come out from the behind and knock the ball away. I mean, like, he just covers everything everywhere. And, um, you know, even if they limit him to 28 minutes a game just to be cautious anyway, that means he's going to be really spry and really, you know, he won't get tired. That's going to be even better for him. Yeah, and he scored 22 in 14 minutes last night. And I know it's preseason, but it doesn't look like he's rusty, and that's good. Um, And and it almost feels like his whole team gets a lift by having him on the court. And and that's a big deal. So – 
Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, I think Embiid is going to be good. There's no doubt in my mind if Embiid was healthy. If he didn't have these health concerns, and let's say he missed the first two seasons still, and then, but he played a normal schedule last year, didn't have the knee surgery, I think coming into the season a lot of people would be saying uh, Joel Embiid is a top 15 player. Possibly oh, top 10. He, right? It's higher than 15. I mean, it's a, I, you can healthy if he gets 70 games, he's top five. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's just he's just got that much talent, and he keeps adding to his game. You know, it's crazy that he hadn't really played basketball that long. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, he's just he's just one of those people, man. He's just he picks things up fast. He's super smart, um, and just a a crazy athlete. And with that size, I called him the most dangerous offensive player, or uh, the most dangerous center since Shaq. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 but more because he can spread the floor and shoot threes, handle the ball. Like Shaq would never shoot outside of about oh, yeah. four feet. So, uh, by the way, just a shout out to you for the phrase, the phrase skill of availability. That should be that'll be the title of the podcast. So we'll use that. <laughs> like we'll take a, a, a page from our pod, uh, Positive America friends of the breakdown. Uh, we have a good question here by Triviman17 who asks, where does Giannis rank in your respective MVP races? Uh, he's quickly forgotten it a little bit here. Uh, not by me. Um, I think Giannis is is for sure going to be a top five MVP candidate. Um, but the difference between being the MVP and being number five is going to be the number of wins. You're not going to see the Russell Westbrook vote like you did last year, where you know if his team wins 48 games, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, yeah, Giannis is not winning the MVP. He's going to need his team to win like 55, 56 games to be in the top three. And, and this is why I think this, this is probably Kawhi's year as long as he's healthy Ooh. because they're going to, they're going to win 55 to 58 games, you know, and maybe even 60 cause it's the Spurs and Kawhi is going to just keep doing Kawhi things, you know, being a two way threat, shutting down the opposing team's best player. And, you know, with Giannis, I think that last year was like a huge coming out for him. I've never seen a guy go from where he was to where he went last year. It just, that was such a huge leap. Um, does he have another leap like that in him, right? Can he, can he become a 28-a-night scorer and maybe average triple-double? I mean, he could legitimately average triple-double. Like, he's not going to need people to not rebound <laughs> oh, whoa. to get those rebounds. I, you know, uh, yeah. I hate to say it, but that's just the truth. Um, yeah, so... He yeah, is, is this he, is just a review. He he got, you know, basically twenty three points a game last year, nine rebounds, five point four assists. The assists obviously would have to go up, but the, the team will be better and if they're all kind of gonna get healthy eventually, uh, he'll have more weapons to pass to who can get get him more assists. I don't know though. I don't know if he can get to double-digit assists. That just seems like a big jump for him. But either way, uh, and the biggest issue he has is his three-point shooting. He, he didn't take that many, but he shot under 30%, and that's just not going to cut it. Um, and we have to see him do better than that, and that'll, that, and that'll help. That'll juice up his certainly his scoring. Now, by that rationale, by the way, you know, are you saying that Kawhi should have gotten the MVP if Russ didn't detonate instead of Harden? I think Kawhi was the MVP last year, and I think Harden – I mean – my argument toward the end of the year was if you voted Harden, Kawhi, or Russ, it was hard for me to argue against it. Right. But the one that I had the easiest time arguing against is Russ because his team just didn't win very many games. Okay. Yeah. I, I hear you. Is that a similar argument to, uh, to LeBron should have won MVP of the finals if his team lost in, in the, in the, when he had that crazy, the 2015? 
Yeah, I mean, he for sure was the most valuable player in the series, but it's hard to give an MVP to a guy on the losing team. I mean, this is just that's I mean, that's American sports in a nutshell, right? Like it's just not going to happen. Right. Yeah. So um, it, it did happen once, but yes. It, right. But it's just not going to happen now. Right. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, any other questions we have on Periscope we want to jump into? I just, first of all, I just want to scroll up and down. I can't I get over how great this so is now nice. that Periscope did this. Yeah. Um, I was asked to spell out uh, Antetokounmpo. Ooh. Yeah. Can you I do that? I, I, I just practice every day pronouncing it, but I don't know. I mean, I know it's A-N-T-E. Yep. Almost there. And then Only and 70 then more letters. Yep. A-N-T-E-T. Antetokounmpo. No. You. It's an O. O. Antetokounmpo. And then there's a K, a U, O, M, P, O, whatever. I don't know. Yes. K-O-U-N-M-P-O. Yeah. Yep. Yes. He just he gets all the letters, basically. Yeah. That's um, right. That was, this is compelling podcasting right here. <laughs> hey, you brought it up, man. I'm just right yeah. on the run for the ride. Hey. Okay. You know but, what? But no, uh, I'm talking about Periscope scrolling, so I'm not, I'm yeah. not with the program So we, we've got a question. Uh, uh, I'm assuming it's a soft J. Uh, Jurgen. 33 asks, uh, is Kevin Love starting at the center a good idea? And how do you feel about D Wade in the starting lineup? Uh, we, well, we cut to J.R. Smith's reaction. <laughs> we, need that, we need that sound effect of a car crashing. Um, J.R. Smith should be the starter. Yes. Well, Dwayne Wade should play 24 minutes a game. As Manu Ginobili. Yeah. Come yes. in, play, make, do your thing. Absolutely. You can't have... D Wade and Derrick Rose on the court at the same time. Um, and it's just going to be kind of rough, which is why you're going to have Kevin Love starting at the five. Now, with that being said, in the finals, the Kevin Love at the five lineups were pretty good, um, even on defense. And tr the Tristan Thompson lineups were not. So Tristan Thompson, you know, this whole idea like Kevin Love can't play against the Warriors, which is really what this is all about is kind of going away. Like, he can actually play, but he needs to play the five. So, wait, you saw uh, on-off numbers for him at the five or, or whatever that were good in the finals? Yeah, they were. At center? And okay. At center. And you know what? I wish I had him pulled up, but I didn't realize we would even talk about this. So right. I, I, I mean, don't then have, again, but... him at center, will, without doubt, was also with Kyrie and LeBron. Absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, he was out there with, with you know, their most powerful lineups. Yeah. So, you but, know, it's interesting. All, all those stats are really interesting, and we, I think we're going to slowly, hopefully, maybe refine them even more. If we, I don't even know if you can, but uh, I don't know. My, my first impression is that it's not – you know what? Maybe it is okay for him. Obviously, he can't go five when they go the small ball lineup of death. They can't do that. He'd have to guard, you know, Durant or Draymond, right? That doesn't seem like that would work. No. So, and then Steve Kerr, well, it's at, not gonna at, work. whenever he wants to, can just do it. Yeah, I mean, the, the truth is it's not going to work. Yeah, for the for the Warriors, but it'll work for the twenty nine other teams that they play, and yeah. that and that's the thing. Um, everybody is essentially playing for second place because of the stuff that the Warriors can do. Right. Yeah. You know, but then again, they got to still play, and they got you know Buster Douglas fought Mike Tyson like he was a regular fighter, and look what happened. Yeah, but that was in Tokyo. Uh, we need you know what we need at the NBA in Tokyo is what you're saying. There, there it is. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> you gotta flip things upside down. Right. You need people to get tired. <laughs> um, so uh, let's see. Uh, Swaggy P. Lino asks if we think Kyrie Irving can prove to be a leader for the for the Celtics. Um, do you want to go with that first? 
Um, you know, it's a good question because is Kyrie that guy? Um, really hasn't had a chance to show that at all. He certainly probably wanted to. It's one of the reasons why he left, although there's a whole probably other reasons why. But, um, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if that's going to be his thing. Because the other thing is you got like Gordon Hayward who's sort of like quiet, right? Like he's not really a, a guy. And maybe you don't even need that, right, with this Brad Stevens style. You don't need a CP3. So, um, I, but I do think that um, here's what I think uh, Kyrie will bring. He will bring like swaggy confidence to them, right? I think that's what that is what he's going to do. He will uplift them with his play, and because it's going to be, you know, he does those amazing finishes and he can do that stuff and make these shots. So I think that's what's going to give them that sense. It, probably in the same way that Isaiah did as well, where they knew they can go and get just get him a bucket whenever they needed it to, and that's what he'll do as well. And so I feel like, and also he can wear uh, his ring. Right, and he can also, uh, you know, people are looking, going, man, you hit that shot in game seven of the of uh, the finals to win. You know what I mean? Like he's going to have that kind of stuff where you know that's going to really help. That's going to go a long way towards helping him lead without having to like be a real total vocal guy. So, what do you think? Um, I I think a couple of things. Uh, one, when you have an organization like the Celtics, you don't need Kyrie to be a leader because their coach is actually a leader. Their coach is empowered. Their coach can make decisions. Players aren't going over over the coach's head and going to management. Um, so that's one, right? So that's great because that takes the pressures off. To me, it takes the pressure off the players to have to do this stuff. It really doesn't matter all that much. I think the ideas that we have about leadership, listen, this is not war. These guys are not hanging out in a foxhole. They're not battling insurgents. They're not doing anything that really requires leadership. The way you lead on a basketball court is – you move the basketball, right? You make good basketball plays. You play hard defense. Like, you lead by example. You don't need to be out there barking at people. The Chris Paul style of leadership really wears down his teammates. I mean, we've seen that, and we've talked about it quite a bit. And I actually think that that's, that's a mistake to, to try to force a player to do that because I, I actually don't think it works. I, I don't know a lot of winning players that have been like that, um, at least not publicly. Now, in practice, you definitely want your best players to, to – push your your other players your role players to do more and to work hard and all this other stuff but again that's a, that can also be an example thing you know i don't think al horford is out there barking at people but the guy plays hard every minute he's on the court and he's he's as much of a leader in the nba as we've got so um yeah i don't care if Kyrie is a quote unquote leader i just want him to go out there play hard show effort on defense and, and as a matter of fact in the preseason game last night he was fantastic he had 10 assists and no and no turnovers. Yeah, you know, I mean that's really difficult to do. So um, yeah, um, I, I think that so far everything's looking pretty good. Yeah. So perhaps my uh, and people would kind of yelled at me when I had this prediction that um, his assists were are going to go up. I felt like he could really get to that eight or nine a game level uh, with the way the offense can get where he can facilitate more than he did in Cleveland. Um, it looks like that's going to be a, a very potential re- reality. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. We got a couple more questions coming in here. Um, let's see here. How well do you think Rudy Gay will fit in the Spurs system? You know, I haven't seen Rudy Gay. Has he been playing with them yet? Yeah, I haven't been able to see any video. Um, he was cleared to play, and I haven't I haven't watched anything because Kawhi's out. And so, yeah. you know, I, I don't – Well, that's the other thing is watching. people are completely sleeping on the Spurs again. And we know uh, that guys like Berton – and Murray, 
uh, are going to fit into that system and play well and plug in all the holes they would get normally from all the all, you know all the other stuff in cover for Tony Parker. So you're right. Like when you say they're going to win 60 games, I mean I think people are then they're so asleep on them that they're like it's like their beard is already down their knees at this point. The way they're sleeping, it's crazy. Yeah, I actually predicted 55 wins. Okay. On my podcast, uh, when I did the preview for them, and and a lot of that is just because I think OKC and Houston got so much better, and while the Spurs, you know, they kind of got a little less athletic. They they lost Jonathan Simmons, they lost Dwayne Dedman, and um, I think that matters. I think they also will rest Kawhi a little bit more, especially if this tendinopathy thing is a real thing. Um, I expect Rudy Gay to rest quite a bit, and I think Lamarcus will rest quite a bit. So. Yeah, I think 55, and and that's I think that's where they're comfortable, really. I don't I don't think that Pop likes to win 60 games. Yeah, I think it's fair enough. You know, I think he likes that 55 to 59 range, and I know this is going to sound so like weird to say, but I think that that's really what he likes because you can create some adversity, okay, by losing games. And you and I have talked about this with the uh, with the Warriors a little bit and how they they went on that swoon in the middle of last season and how. I started to feel like it was almost on purpose because the rotations were really weird. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it allows – so he also will throw games – not throw them, but he throws his bench into games. For sure. And sometimes you're going to lose those games because you don't have as much talent on the court. But it's okay because he's thinking long term. So, yeah, I think 55 is where I have him. And, uh, and I, when I released the podcast, I even said – Spurs fans are going to be pissed because how dare I say that they're going to not win 60 games. But at some point it's going to happen. Yeah, and that's fine. You're right. And all, for all those points, all very well, very well said stuff. So, um, you know, uh, we'll have to get, wait and see how that plays out. The Kawhi thing is a little bit ner- uh, nerve-wracking to me because obviously you just want to see him play. Just like you want to see Embiid play, Kawhi has that sim- similar you know, thing. And I, 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 do you know what the prognosis is? The, the most recent thing was he'll be ready to opening night, I believe, right? I think he's going to be ready opening night. And, you know, um, James and I talked about it, and he's, he was wondering if this wasn't uh, setting up down the line. Oh, he's had a flare-up of the tendinopathy, and he's got to sit out a game or two, and it's going to be nationally televised games uh, um he well, playing the long game <laughs> yeah uh that's that doesn't although it was very strange right because as far as i could tell there really wasn't any report of wait uh, the injury then he said it was a recurring injury or something it just seemed way out of left field especially considering they've been off for three months you know in the off season right doesn't that seem really strange well Kawhi's not taking any time off okay that guy is a gym rat. I mean, so he definitely wasn't taking any time off. And it could be a legitimate issue. I mean, and, and that is something that is, could be serious, right? I mean, it takes a while to come back. Reggie Jackson had some tendinopathy last year and a similar thing, and it caused a flare-up in his knees and all this other stuff. So if, if it's real, I expect him to be totally cautious with him. But if, you know, if it's not real, I also would not be shocked. Okay, fair enough. Uh, one last question we can grab from, uh, from the scope. Anybody out there? A top 10 offensive player in the league. People are saying no. Oh, and now we don't know who he's talking about. Though. I don't know who he's talking about. Damn, um, you got something you were talking about. How, um, about. how about will Wiggins take the next step this season from ah. Emery Ricks? Um, well, he did. I'll tell you what. He took a really good step signing a five-year, $148 million extension. Good for him. Yeah. Um, as far as taking a step on the basketball court, Will he accept his role? It's like the end of the Batman, the Batman from the '60s. Will he accept yeah. his role? 
<laughs> can he play under in the shadow of Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns? Will he be willing to do that? I mean, it, he's the third fiddle, right? I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. Yeah, and uh, you know, he doesn't shoot threes well enough to just be like a regular spot up guy. It's gonna be I don't know. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be tricky for him to to really like prove that he's worth that full max. It's gonna be hard. Um, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I feel like if 80% of the people that get the full max, we always think they're not going to earn what they what they make. Sure. So and then the, most of them wind up being pretty damn good. Well, I, or, yeah, we just need to readjust what that means because at some point, you know, it's uh, maybe it is what the, enough uh, of what they're we making. We can start calling it a situational max, right? So this was a situational max. Yeah. He's obviously not a max player on the basketball court right now. But the situation dictates that he's a max player. And, and, and this is, uh, you know, we, we've seen this quite a bit. I mean, Harrison Barnes is sort of a situational max, although I think Harrison Barnes is a better player than Wiggins yeah. um, today, you know. Um, and so, yeah, but with Wiggins, I think if he, if he can defend like Jimmy Butler, you know, then all of a sudden, okay, now you're, now you're cooking, right? Like because he can score 20 a night. And uh, he's got a really diverse skill set on offense. The defense is bad. I mean, there's a lot of statistics that show that he was the worst defender in the league last year of anybody who played over, you know, 20 minutes a game or something. Okay. Um, he, he was not good. And so if he can defend at an elite level, like all NBA level this year, which is not likely, but if he did, mm-hmm. and his offensive game basically just stayed the same, I think that that's max talent. So... Okay, I can follow that. Yeah. I mean, for sure. And then, you know, the, the bottom line is they'll be better. They'll win more games, and that's the thing. Because, again, there's no room for the, in the playoffs for the Minnesota right now, the way it's going. Like, you know, you're looking at everyone else. Like, you know, I don't know where Denver and Minnesota are supposed to fit in there. I mean, I guess that means Dallas and, like, Memphis drop down or whatever. But lo- those guys are gonna, aren't going to go down so easily. So, um, you know, Portland. It's an interesting uh, dilemma, which we'll be talking about all season long as this Western Conference what? unfolds. You know, before we go, uh, unless you want to save this for Sunday or for the Monday pod when we talk about the awards, who do you have in the playoffs in the yeah. West? I think Denver makes – I like Denver's team. So I, I'm just going to be exuber- over uh, – uh, what, what's my exuber- – irrationally exuberant about mm-hmm. Denver. I have Denver um, as a six seed. Yeah, okay. Um, I don't have um, – you know, I don't, I don't think – let's see here. I'm now forgetting who else is in the West. Uh, let me get my thing up real quick. But um, who, who do you have? So I've got, uh, obviously, the top four is everyone's top four. Golden State, Houston, OKC, San Antonio, in some order. Right. Um, five, I've got Portland. Six, I've got Denver. And then seven or eight, uh, I don't know who's going to get it. Seven or eight, is for me, is between Minnesota, Utah, and the Clippers maybe have a chance if everything breaks right. Right. I don't, um, think, I don't think the Pelicans have a shot. I don't think any of these teams, these fake pretender or you know these like pretenders to the the throne kind of yeah like i don't think they really have uh, a chance at the playoffs i think it's those three battling for the last two spots right i mean i almost want to go backwards the other way it's like phoenix won't make it the lakers won't make it the kings won't make it i mean the bat and the mavericks probably don't make it um that's four and of the uh what is it 15 one two three four six 15. So, yeah, now you're talking about 11 teams left for the eight spots. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, the Pelicans are strange because they certainly have a dominating talent, uh, at least, you know, in the front court heavy. Um, 
you know, so I don't know about that. But then um, and the, the Blazers, again, another conundrum who, you know, they should be. I mean, are the Blazers going to finish higher than the Clippers they, they, with Nurkic? Maybe they do. Maybe. Um, you know, a lot of people in the chat are saying, uh, what about what about Memphis? And, and the thing about Memphis is this. Their offense is going to get better. Last year, they they played more minutes. They devoted more minutes to uh, people who had a uh, effective field goal percentage under 42 percent than any team in the league. So they played more minutes for more bad shooters than any other team. Their offense was terrible. So I think their offense is going to get better, but I also think their defense is going to get worse. And, you know, is this the year? Marcus All's 33 years old, man. Uh, I know he's changed his game and and become more perimeter-based, but I'm more worried about the defensive slip. Um, You know, is is Mike Conley going to be able to repeat what he did last year where he had the best season of his career by far? Is he going to be able to repeat that? Now, a lot of that is due to usage, right? Um, You know, he had more usage than he ever had. So... Uh, we'll see what happens, man. I, I, I like Memphis. I just, you know, and I'd love to see them in the playoffs, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious if Gasol makes it through the season there. Uh, if things don't go, if things aren't going well, it might be time for them to start thinking about moving along and, and getting started on the rebuild. It sucks because, you know, Connolly just signed that huge contract and, uh, he's, so he's got a lot of money owed and I don't know who would take his contract, but, uh, yeah, Gasol 33 years old big you know foot problems i don't know yeah we'll have to see i don't know i mean gasol just never quite understood that um he's at his best when he's playing like uh like mb like a dominate he needs to dominate look to score more often and be more aggressive and he it's not how he is and that's that's when i've always thought memphis was at their best when he was just getting fu points and mm-hmm. uh and really causing and he did problems it last year a lot though he did uh, that last year a lot i guess um, they, they i, I asked still him to see. score more yeah, I guess. To me, it still felt like he would defer a lot when he didn't need to and then get stuck on the perimeter and stuff like that. So anyway, we'll have to see what happens. But uh, we'll, we'll have a, a really fun show for Monday morning or live maybe Sunday night and uh, a lot of stuff happening. So anything else you want to report before we sign off? No. Good. That's it. All right. Good stuff. Easy. We had a little bit of a hiccup this morning or earlier before this, but uh, we're back in the saddle and we'll be doing our live shows and our podcasts and uh, subscribe and whatever and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I don't know. Don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Dave? Yes, I am.